Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. stand as we begin worship today, praising our Father, we lift our banner high here together this morning.
and he reigns. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So great to see everyone here today. Welcome to Pequay Church. It's always a joy to worship with you and to fellowship together as we exalt our Savior and God. And uh, this morning inside of your bulletin, there is a gray connection card. I'm going to invite everyone here in person to take that out. So this is just one of the ways that we can connect together. Also, if you're a first-time guest, you can simply take out your mobile phone and you can text the word hello to 717-872-5679. I'm going to have Derek flash that on the screen there. But uh, you can do that online or here in person, but that's just for first-time guests. But uh, everyone else, if you would fill out that gray card, whether this is your second time or your hundredth thousandth time, and uh, do that for us this morning online. You can also find in the, the uh, chat window, there's going to be a connect link, and you can do that digitally online as well. But this is simply a way that we can uh, be sure that we are connecting with each other. We can keep you up to date with things that are happening here at Peckway Church. Uh, you can share your prayer request with us. You can ask for information about Peckway Church. And if you're our first-time guest and you do the text in church, this is simply a line of communication that is open between between the two of us, um, or the church and you, and uh, we can text back and forth through that as well. And so, uh, so yeah, if you get a chance to do that, you can fill that out anytime during the service today. And at the end of the service, there's a, a box at the back of the room. If you're doing that physical card, just drop it in the box on the way out there. You can also drop your offerings uh, and your tithes along with that as well. Well, we have a special opportunity today. We have uh, some, some students and some leaders who are going to, um, to um, on a mission trip tomorrow. And so they're going to come forward, and we're going to have prayer for them today. And I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Chris. He's going to come forward, and he's going to pray uh, as we commission them and uh, pray for God's guidance and leadership on this trip. This is wonderful to see such a large group. Well, as the pastor of discipleship and missions, I just want to use this as an opportunity to remind all of us that as we look at this team up here on stage, that each and every one of us have been given the great commission to go into the world to make disciples of all nations. And so let's keep that in mind as we lift up this team in prayer. Let's pray. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. For you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. God will bless us. 
and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to pause in prayer, lifting up Julie and the five other leaders that are leading this trip tomorrow. We just pray for them, especially that they would have wisdom and discernment as they lead. We ask that you would be with them and guide them. Father, we pray for all of these youth. Father, we ask that they would have a fresh encounter with you as they pour out their lives for the sake of others. Father, we ask that you would work both in and through this team throughout this week. Father, we pray for traveling mercy for them as they travel to North Carolina. Father, we pray in accordance with Hebrews 1.14 in which you tell us that you send ministering spirits to serve those who will inherit salvation. We pray that you would surround this team with such ministering spirits, Lord, as they pour themselves out this week for your name. And it's in light of this we pray that the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, would be glorified and lifted up in and through them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. family series, um, and I think about Gideon and uh, how we, we've heard a sermon previously on that, um, but just thinking uh, about his life and the calling God had for him, but uh, the doubts that he had. And so maybe you're feeling that today, that God's calling you to do something, but you're afraid or you're trying to run away from it, but God's grace is so much greater than that, and uh, it's so much deeper. And so when we trust him, when we lean into him, he helps us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so we can have joy uh, no matter what we face, no matter what struggles, no matter what battles. And so we have a song we want to introduce to you today. It's called I've Got Joy. So uh, as you're seated, just look at the lyrics. Let those minister to you today. If you know the song, please feel free to sing along with us as we do that. But let's choose joy today by God's grace. struggle. I've got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle. I don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven. 
through today. Would you stand with me again as we continue thinking about that, as we sing about that battle that we're facing belongs to him.
there's nothing to fear now, for I'm safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, and I'll sing through the night. The battle belongs to belongs to you today, Jesus. And every breath that we breathe belongs to you. And we pour out in praise in this place today. Be glorified, Jesus.
just be seated as we continue our praise this morning, worshiping Him. Well, just want to say to Scott, the worship team, thank you so much for just leading us in that opportunity to, thank you, Andrew, to just lead us in that opportunity to be mindful of the God that we serve in the context as we prepare our heart to, to listen to Pastor Dale talk to us about what it means to follow God's will, to know and follow. And we all know that isn't an, an easy thing at times in our life. But this morning, as, as you now know, Pastor Dale is going to be speaking to us, bringing the morning message. Many of you know Pastor Dale. But for those of you who don't, let me just tell you a little bit about Dale, and again, I will keep it brief, but the reality is I first became aware of Pastor Dale back in the 90s when I was in Canada planning a church. Dale at that time was bishop of the Canada Brother in Christ Conference and knew a church planner there, and he raved about Dale, he raved about his leadership, and I just became aware of Dale. Dale left, he has pastored across Canada, he has pastored uh, here in the United States as, uh, as a full-time pastor, but he left there and came down in 1997 and then through 2000 to pastor this church. So many of you know Pastor Dale and Anne Marie from being the pastor of Peckway Brother in Christ Church. But Dale, you know, I'm gonna say couldn't stay away and called out of retirement uh, to come back and for approximately the last five years be the CEO of Building Bridges Foundation, a wonderful ministry just on Indian Hill uh, Road. But what I want to say that is most important, if you don't know Dale, the thing that I believe is the most important thing for me to say is that Dale loves people, he loves the church, and he loves the Lord. I don't know a better endorsement for someone that comes and stands in the pulpit and in the platform than to tell you about a love of God that that man or that woman has. So let's go to prayer, and then Pastor Dale this morning will bring the message. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather in this place, both online and in person, to be able to be mindful of the fact that it is your breath that fills us. It is your spirit that empowers us. It is your presence in our life that enables us to do all the things that you call us to do, to do things that we can't even imagine that we're capable of doing because of your spirit's help. And so, Father, this morning, I want to pray for Pastor Dale. I want to pray that you anoint him, that you lead him, that you guide him, you use him to impact and help us understand in a way that only he can your spirit through his personality, what it means to follow the, the example and to avoid some of the things of Gideon did in his life, to know your will, to follow your will. I pray your blessing upon him this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Dale. Okay. So it was a couple of years ago, or at least, that I would say I was sitting back in the, the where we generally sit. We all have our, our seating places, and I thought, as Jerry was preaching, he has one goal for us and that's to help us be better people and better Christians. Some people are critical of people who go to church. If they only understood that we go to church to become better people. So thanks, Jerry, for giving me this opportunity to just say, uh, see you later. That's the way it goes, you know. But we have this hope, don't we? Not for this world only. And so if we don't get a chance to greet again on this earth, we've got a chance eternally. And we look forward to that. A man who lived about 3,000 years ago looked at the task in front of him and said, I can't do this. He started blaming his family for his inability. Don't blame your family for your failure. We're imperfect people, yet we often expect perfection in those closest to us. I heard the story about a family that were in the kitchen one morning eating breakfast, getting ready for the day. And Mabel said, Archie, 
Don't forget, this is the day that we move. Oh, yes, says Archie. So he lifts up his briefcase and his computer and heads off to the university to teach his eager students all about the age of the dinosaurs, judging from the matter in the center of the major bones. Soft matter means the earth is younger than you think. Uh, dried up matter means the world is older than you think. Now the day is over. And so Archie is driving home in his brand new Ford Explorer. <laughs> He's astonished to find that uh, his wife's car isn't in the driveway. He gets out of the SUV. He opens the door to the house and is shocked. All of the furniture is gone. Where did it go to? And then it comes to him. Oh, today's the day we moved. But where did we move to? So he goes out the door and he sees this uh, young guy coming down the sidewalk on a bicycle. So he stops and says, hey, hey, can you tell me where the people that lived here moved to? And the kid said, ha, mom said you'd forget. Well, I wish I could blame all my failures on someone else, and I'm very, very ordinary. My wife and those who work closely with me know that. I've made all kinds of mistakes. My birth family were risk-takers, sometimes accepting dares that were fun but stupid, you know, especially a double dare. That's when you really got to do it. So we did some stupid things. I grew up on a farm about 200 miles north of Toronto on the Bruce Peninsula. One day I decided that I wanted to ride a Guernsey steer that was tied in the stable. And so I climbed on the back of the steer. My brother Elwin, he unchained it. And the steer headed for the open door at 93 miles an hour with me on its back. Well, I fell off about 15 feet outside the door in the muck and the manure. My rodeo days were over. Since That was a good lesson for me. Since then, I've attempted greater things than trying to rise a, ride a Guernsey steer. The story today is about a man who thought he couldn't do what God asked him to do because he was from a very dysfunctional family. Maybe some of you feel that way. I'm going to read 16 verses from the book of Judges, chapter 6, but the entire account covers both chapters 6 and 7. I'm going to sum up portions of the total account as I go along. Judges 6, 1, 7, 16. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with the livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I, I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hands of the oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophir that belonged to Joash the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Get that? He's threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. 
When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel of Midian's hand. I am sending you. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in the family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, many people think that they don't have what it takes to be used by God. You might be one of those people. You might think that you have the capability, you do not have the capability to do something great for God. You might feel that some past choice has disqualified you. A poor family background, a difficult marriage, a lack of money, a too busy schedule. Maybe you're poor or uneducated or untrained or untraveled or maybe you have a deep hurt. Maybe you've made a big mistake and Satan is telling you all of the time that you're not worthy. I've learned six things from this story about Gideon. These six things will help you and me overcome our past, whether it's former failure or whether it is a dysfunctional family that we come from. Number one, God wants to do something great with your life. There is nothing that you have done that disqualifies you from doing something great for God in the future, no matter how incapable you may seem. God is a way of using weak people to do great things. Now, I'm not especially talking about great like Hollywood or great like Broadway or great like Nashville. I'm talking about great as in the eyes of God. A great accomplishment in God's eyes make, make you incredibly popular or not even noticed by anyone else on earth. Maybe even incredibly unpopular. That happens sometimes. Number two, Gideon thought, I just can't do this. And the account of Gideon in Judges 6 has six scenes. A, scene one, is a cave, verse 6-2. The Israelites had done bad, bad things, so God handed them over to the Midianites, not the Mennonites. There's a difference here. The Mennonites came from Germany, but the Midianites came from Midian. Now, the Midianites oppressed the Israelites for seven years, so God's people, the Israelites, are hiding in caves in the mountains for seven years. They planted crops, and unless they hid it well, the Midianites came and took it. The Israelites tried hiding their crops and animals from the Midianites in caves, but bit by bit they got discovered, and at the end of seven years they are now starving to death. Verse 6 uh, of chapter 6 says, The Israelites were reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Is that the way it is with you? It is with me sometimes. You try everything else under the sun, and when it fails, what do you do? Then you pray. Then you come to God. Ever lose your keys, your glasses, your wallet, your pocketbook, your health, your spouse, a child? You look everywhere, and then you think, uh, maybe God can help me. You might think that God isn't interested in the small stuff. Do you think God really cares whether you lost your glasses or not? Yeah, I, I do, I actually, because I've prayed a bunch of times. Not for my glasses, because I wear them from morning to night, but sometimes my keys or so forth, you know. So the Israelites weren't living like God wanted them to, so they had been too proud to go to him for help, but now it's do or die. 
It's now a matter of survival. Gideon is pouring out his heart to God. Where are you, God? We're in deep trouble here. You did great things for our ancestors, so why aren't you helping us out? You've abandoned us, given us into the hands of the Midianites. So God came back to Gideon with a great impossible idea. Gideon, I want you to go against the Midianites in my strength and save Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. I am sending you. Now scene two begins with verse 11. Gideon finally got brave enough to come out of his cave. Now we're, we're thinking about that now. You know, we, we were in COVID for a long time. We were in our caves and then we came to the place where we had to get out and do things. So we come out of our cave. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord comes and parks under a tree and has a conversation with Gideon. And at the end of verse 12, the angel says, mighty hero, God is with you. I think Gideon looks around and see, to see who the angel might be talking to, then realizes there's no one else near, and he says to the angel, I'm no mighty hero. In verse 13, sir, as in don't be so ridiculous, I have a question. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say that the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord, speaking through the angel, turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon said, how can I rescue Israel? Now get this excuse. My family are a bunch of weaklings, the weakest in the whole of Manasseh. And I'm the weakest of the weakest in my family. You see, Lord, my whole family live on donuts and Coke. And the closest I ever get to an apple is an apple fritter. We're just a family of weaklings. We have no muscle at all. God said, Gideon, forget all about your family. That's no excuse. I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Verse 17, Gideon replied, if you're really going to help me, prove it. Show me a sign. So Gideon goes home and he, he prepares a sacrifice to God, a young goat and some bread without yeast. He puts it on a rock. What does God do? God zaps the rock and burns up the offering with a flame. Now scene three, verse 25. So we have the cave, we have the tree, and now we have darkness. And the Lord says to Gideon, before you go into battle... You have to get rid of the Asherah pole idol that your father made as an altar to the god Baal. Have you got a false or a foolish altar somewhere that's keeping you from allowing God to work through you? Is there something in your life that God knows is not good for you? It may be too much food or the wrong food. It might be that you're an alcoholic. It might be that you're killing yourself with something else. It might be lying or cheating or pornography. Only you know what that is. God is very afraid. Gideon is very afraid to speak up against the crowd who love the Ashereth pole idol. God wants him to go out in public and tear down a symbol to a famous lady who some thought was a goddess. Now, is there some idol your friends believe in and you're afraid to take a stand against it? It's hard to take a stand these days. We know that. We see that. We're surrounded by it. Gideon decides to, to put his bad family excuses behind him and try it God's way. 
If nothing happens, he and his nation are going to starve anyway. What's he got to lose at this point? In verse 23, God says, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Now, God knew that Gideon would uh, not experience physical death in this particular situation, but God never promises that our bodies aren't going to die. Never promises that. He does promise that you are not going to die. Isn't that something? We are never going to die. Our spirit and soul was born and will live forever. Our bodies will die, but you're not your body. It might seem like it right now, but you're going to live on forever. If you want to study this more, go to Amazon and buy the book uh, You, Y-O-U, written by John Beisringer. Some of you know John. So Gideon organized. Verse 27 says that Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord commanded. Now scene 4, verse 33. Here's the turning point. Here's what happened. Notice this. 3. The Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. This is the game changer every time. You might even stop to realize it when the Spirit of God comes to our rescue, but if we open up our lives to Him, it will happen. We try something or do something in an emergency and are amazed that it worked. May the 20th, 2021, a Virginia State Trooper came upon an upturned car and saw that there was a woman trapped underneath. So what's he do? He goes over and lifts the car and she's able to crawl out. You think he did that in his own strength? I don't. I think God was there. The Spirit of God takes possession of people all the time, but we seldom give God the credit. Oh, it was a coincidence. Oh, an extra shot of adrenaline. A bright moment he had mentally. God is, Gideon's still a bit of a fraidy cat, though. He, he decides to prove for sure that God is sending him, so he puts out a fleece. The fleece is the hide of a sheep on the ground, and he says, God, if this fleece is wet with dew in the morning and the ground is dry all around it, then I will know that it is really you who is sending me. Sure enough, Gideon puts out the fleece. In the morning, it's wet, on the gr- uh, it's wet and the ground around it is dry. So Gideon said, you know, maybe it was an accident. Let's try this again. So, so he said, um, uh, um, okay, but tomorrow let's do it the opposite way, and then I will really believe you. Let the fleece be dry this time, and the ground all around it wet. And that night, God did uh, as Gideon asked. The fleece is dry in the morning, but the ground is covered with dew. Now, the scripture says that there are 135,000 Midianites that have shown up to fight against the Israelites. Now, scene five. Gideon recruited troops of men to go fight against the Midianites by what? By blowing a trumpet. Get this. And and a troop of 32,000 show up. The odds are more than five to one in the Midianites' favor. But what does God think? In chapter seven, verse two, it says, the Lord said to Gideon, you got too many warriors. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they have saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid, leave now and go home. And so 22,000 people go home. Now picture yourself as one of the 10,000 that stayed. The odds were 5 to 1, and now they're 13 to 1. 
Then in verse 7, uh, verse 4 of chapter 7, the Lord told Gideon that there were still too many, so he should bring all of the soldiers down to the stream to be tested. And God tells Gideon, divide the, the, the uh, soldiers into two groups. Watch them drink when they come to the stream. And ask all of the men who lapped water from the stream like a dog to get in one group. And those that cupped water in their hands and drank it to get in another group. There were 9,700 men who lapped water like a dog. There were 300 who cupped the water to their mouth like this. And in verse 7 we read, the Lord told Gideon, tell those 9,700 they can go home. Wow. And with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Well, the odds now? Well, I guess about 1 in 450. Now, the story might sound like fiction. If you think so, watch the Operation Mincemeat. Any of you have seen that movie? Incredible, incredible story where the British used a dead body to defeat the Germans. Operation Mincemeat, that's what, I think it's Netflix, it's one of those, one of those channels out there. The final scene begins at the end of verse 8. The Midian camp was in the valley just below Gideon's camp. And the Lord, knowing how weak Gideon felt at the beginning, says, now you might still have a little fear, so if you want, you can get down into the camp and listen up by the tent and see what the Midianites are talking about, and you'll be encouraged. So Gideon, he sneaks down at night near one of the Midianite tents and listens, and he hears a Midianite tell of his dream of how a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down and toppled every one of their tents. And another Midian heard the dream and said, that means that God is going to let Gideon defeat us in battle. So Gideon brought out his, all of his cannons to the front line. And he farmed them all with Lee-enfiled rifles and lots of ammunition. No, he didn't do that, no. He had much better instruments of warfare. Get this, Gideon took courage and assembled his men and gave each one of them a horn, a clay pot, and a torch inside it. What instruments of warfare. Now, I'm sure he was careful about the environment, so it was probably a solar torch that he put in there, you know. How foolish can you get? Soldiers going into battle with odds 1 to 450, you give them a horn, a clay pot, and a torch inside then he formed them into three groups of a hundred each and put them around the Midianite camp. And when Gideon um, blew the, his horn, each soldier blew his horn, then like a bunch of fools, they all shouted, for the Lord and for Gideon. They broke the clay pots, held the torches up high, and it threw the Midianites into such confusion, they drew their swords and they killed 120 of their own soldiers. And then the Israelites chased the other 15,000 out of the region and won a great victory for God. St. Paul said a, a really, really incredible thing. You know, he, he had had a lot of incredible experiences. So he wrote, as recorded in 1 Corinthians 1.27, God chooses the weak to fool the wise. How many times have you seen that play out in life? So many times I've looked back on some of the projects I've been involved in, and I say, this turned out really good. It wasn't me. God was there speaking, leading, directing, putting the right other people, the right resources in your hands at the time you needed them. Just uh, uh, over the hills, uh, as uh, Pastor Jerry mentioned, uh, there's a 
Place 230 Indian Hill Road is a ministry to return veterans who are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And Anne-Marie and I were invited to come to Building Bridges Farm in January of 2018 by Dave Anderson. Are you here, Dave? He was going to try and come today. Maybe he'll come in the next service. Anyway, uh, we picked up leadership from where it was already developed. And through our leadership and Dave's leadership and more than 100 volunteers and a board of directors, uh, we've had more than 80 veterans in the therapy program. And our budget <clears throat> for 2022 is at $400,000, some of that money being given by you. Each veteran and or their family members come uh, for help at no cost to themselves. And I want to thank you Pequay people. You've been incredible to be there and help us in so many of the events uh, particularly. And uh, when we first met there, John led a, a group of, of guys that came and rebuild an apartment. We just are so thankful for all of the help that uh, you people of Pequay Church have given over the last four and a half years. Um, when we were asked to come, we thought, how can a couple of retired pastors make a difference in the lives of trained and seasoned veterans? Well, we couldn't, but God did through us and all of the people that he brought to surround us. Four, God can do through Gideon what Gideon could not do. And everyone today who reads or hears this story knows that God defeated the Midians that night, and it didn't end there. Gideon's story has echoed through the ages, and even today there's an organization called the Gideon whose symbol is the lamp. And the Gideon's organization started in 1899. It has 270,000 members in 200 countries who have handed out, get this now, more than 2 billion Bibles and New Testaments around the world. I have a New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs that I was given by a Gideon in my school when I was 11 years old. Maybe that happened to some of you as well. Most people didn't hang on to them thanks to my mother. I still have mine. The Gideons are probably, now get this, probably the only Christian organization that encouraged theft. Because they say, hey, if you come into this hotel room, take this Bible with you. You can take it home, use it. A lot of people do that. Their lives have changed. Jerry Clinton is the leader of the local Gideon camp, and he's back in the back there. Thank you, Jerry, for what you and the other Gideons do. Now, if Gideon had defeated the Midianites on his own, and if you and I weren't aware that God won the battle, we would say, I can't do that. I'm not a great leader like Gideon. Instead, we see that God won the battle of the Midianites through Gideon and 300 men with horns, clay pots, and torches. Now, when, when we get a resume, we're getting ready to hire someone. We're looking for strengths and capability. When God looks at a resume, he's looking for somebody like Gideon. God can use a weak person as long as he or she recognizes that their strength comes from him. Look at Gideon's resume. What do you see? First, he's from the wrong family. Second, he seems to be the black sheep of the family. He's been hiding in a cave. He sulks under a tree. He's afraid to act during the, the day, so he acts at night. He puts out a double fleece. He assembles 32,000 men to do the work of 300, so he's not very good at assessing the resources. Then he goes ahead with the attack after he gets some inside information, and then he lets the dreams of a man he doesn't even know guide him into battle. So from our perspective, God's resume, Gideon's resume isn't very impressive. But God doesn't look at what you were. He looks at what you decide to be. Isn't that wonderful? Somebody said a long time ago, this is the first day of the rest of your life. Even if you're 75 like me, 
Now let's get personal. You don't think you can do anything great for God? That's okay. Too weak, not qualified, not capable, grew up in a dysfunctional family. Five, God is looking for a resume just like yours. How do we put this into action? How do we make it applicable for us? Well, the error is to think that because you are weak that God can't use you. You might be trying to launch a new career or you're thinking, I can't do this. You're trying to rejuvenate your existing career and you think, I don't think I can do this. You may be trying to heal a relationship and you may be thinking, I can't do this. Maybe you have some investments that are going wrong and a lot of investments are going wrong these days, aren't they? And you think you can't make it fi financially and you're thinking, I can't do this. Maybe you want to learn a new skill. I can't do this. Maybe you're trying to go to school and further your education. I can't do this. When I was in Bible college and trying to earn enough money to keep in college and was living in an apartment with five other guys who were less than godly, at least some of them, and my marks weren't very good, I was really wondering if I should even think about being a pastor. And then a close friend said, Dale, I can't sue you being a pastor. I almost gave up. Now as I look back on more than 55 years of ministry and see the things that I've been had a part in doing, I can easily see there has to be a God because I couldn't have done what I believe God did through me. Six, you can do something great for God. So the message is that God wants to rewrite your resume. Instead of trying to conceal your weakness from God, let the Spirit of God take over your life so it can work through you. God has created each of us so that we will do something great for him. Maybe it's only one person that you're going to invest in. Maybe it's a whole bunch of people. Maybe you're going to be wildly popular. Maybe you're not. You're going to be unpopular. Father in heaven, we've been taught since we were little to look strong and to act strong and to fake it until we make it, but you already know who we are. I pray that you would help each of us to feel comfortable with our weaknesses, our fears, our doubts, and that we post those on a resume so that your power will complement our weakness and together accomplish great things for you. For when we are weak, then we're strong. Gideon proves that you are out looking for people who will follow you to accomplish what we can't accomplish in our own strength. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dale, for that message this morning and encouraging us that with God and through his power, we can do what he's calling us to accomplish. And I want to point your attention this morning to inside of your bulletin. Um, you know, when we think of needs, maybe in our community or in our lives, um, but specifically this morning for our community, you might think, I can't accomplish that by myself. But as a church, we can accomplish things that God's calling us to do. And we have the opportunity um, to partner with the loft to be able to provide school supplies for children. And so we have a little contest that we're going to do. How many of you like pie? <laughs> I love pie, but um, I think Pastor Chris might like pie better or Missy uh, Eschbach, our kids director. And so a little contest that we're going to be raising uh, we're going to be getting supplies together, and so it's going to be kids and adults against one another. So whoever gets the most school supplies in, uh, if it's Missy's group, the kids, she'll get a pie in the face. If it's the adults, 
Chris gets a pie in the face. And so we're working out the details, but I think we might do it right here on this platform. So we'll see. So those of you online will get to participate in that as well. But I'm going to ask Jill Montgomery to make her way up here. She's going to uh, talk to you about the loft. You might not know about that organization or what it is. So, um, And also, you can get a list of the uh, school supplies at the Connection Desk out in the foyer there and uh, also on our website at pequaychurch.com. So for those of you who are viewing online this morning, you can go there, click on the red banner that's on the uh, front page there as soon as you come to the website and get that as well. But I'm going to turn it over to Jill now. Yes, I'm the director of Loft Community Partnership. It's a nonprofit organization. We've been in existence just over two years now, basically from a group of individuals in the Penn Manor community, some staff, some community, some teachers, that realized that the demographics in the district were changing drastically, and there were a lot more families who had a lot of needs. Um, not just economic needs, but relationship needs, um, just information needs. We do have, um, we have a lot of families who have come from other states, from other countries, and often they aren't able to really navigate the systems around them. So our group basically does, we have, we have great ideas, but we don't have the money or the people to do all of what we'd like. What we have been concentrating on in the last couple years, uh, before COVID, we used to run a food and clothing bank. It was out of the Millersville BIC Church where Pastor Chris was the pastor at that time. And we served about 20 to 30 families a week. Then COVID came and we changed to a drive-through food distribution. We are averaging about 140 households a week and it's been as high as 250 households some weeks, mostly over the winter months. So we do that. We also have free clothing that's available for families. Um, and we have information and ability to direct people to the services and resources that they might need. There is not a lot of affordable housing in Penn Manor, as you probably know. And when people move into the area, it's very difficult to find a place to live that is reasonably priced and what we would want to live in. There's a lot of places that aren't so nice. Um, we also have families who just don't know the how to navigate the systems as far as like finding health insurance or medical insurance, finding things like you know financial counseling. We partner with the Central Pennsylvania Food Bank and with CAP Community Partnership in Lancaster for food. We also partner with, like, um, it used to be Tabor. It's now called Tabor Community Services. It's now called Tenfold. They have financial counseling, um, career link in the area. We have SACA. We have a, a large percentage of our families are Spanish-speaking. We have other ethnicities and languages as well, but Spanish is the greatest one. And right now, I'm the only person who is bilingual that is able to help some of those families when they don't speak good English. So we're always looking for people who have a heart for people, obviously, to serve, looking for somebody who also could speak Spanish, and we're always looking for volunteers. It's pretty basic. It's free to get your clearances for child abuse for Pennsylvania and criminal records check. Um, so we're just trying to do a lot of things to help families who are struggling. It's not a faith-based organization, although I must say a lot of the volunteers and a lot of the board members are strong Christ followers, and that motivates what we do. 
Um, but it's not typically, it's not a faith-based organization, but it is for anybody who lives in the Penn Manor community. So I would be more than happy to answer questions for you, for um, ideas. I have a, we have some flyers we can pass around. They're not great. Also some ways you can help. And we're always looking for suggestions and ideas. So I appreciate the Peckway Church has partnered with us before, gathering backpacks and school supplies. And some of our small groups have donated toiletries, socks and underwear. Those are, believe it or not, those are some of the biggest things that people are looking for. We had um, one of our clothing events, we have them about every six weeks. A young man came and he walked over and he was barefoot. So um, Linda Eshelman had donated a whole bunch of flip-flops that she had planned to take to Kenya. We found a pair of flip-flops that, that fit him so he could actually go inside. And he said to me, do you have any socks? I really need some socks. And then another lady was there Thursday morning and she said, this is my only pair of shoes. It was sneakers and it was they were falling apart. And she said, do you have any sneaker, any shoes that I could get? So we looked upstairs in our clothing bank and unfortunately we didn't have her size, but a bunch of us are kind of on the lookout for shoes in her size to do. So there's just so many things. And I love being able to connect and get to know families and to know what their needs and kind of direct them. Had another mom that came in Thursday morning and she has five biological children, but she said her sister was just deported and her sister lived in Virginia. She was called and went to Virginia, brought home her three young nephews and nieces to live with her. So she's now a single mom with eight children. She does have a job, she's going to school part-time and she's trying to find a better job, but she has a three bedroom apartment. So there's just so many things that I think on the surface, People might look like they're fine and they don't need anything. And, you know, it is Lancaster County. We like to think that we're self-sufficient, but there's a lot of need out there. And I know there are people here that could probably meet some of those needs or at least direct people or tell other people that might be able to. So thank you for allowing me to share a little bit about the Law Community Partnership and feel free to contact me if you have questions or thoughts. Thanks. Well, thank you, Jill, for sharing with us. Uh, and you see there's many needs. I, I'm sorry, I think I said something about school supplies and that was the thing we had done before. But you can see there's many needs uh, that the loft um, has that, uh, that we're able to provide for people and uh, encourage you as brothers and sisters in Christ that we're the hands and feet of Jesus. So, uh, Jill, will you be out in the lobby? So if you have questions, feel free to go and talk to her. Pick up that list at the connection desk. Um, but we're going to stand. I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to dismiss. Thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us. Father, thank you for uh, your presence with us. Thank you for the opportunity to worship today. Lord, as we go now, uh, may we spread your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.